We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to the MPW Digital Postseason Show. Presented by Walk-On's Sports Bistro. In case you're wondering, Chase looked over and said, how much longer? I said, two, one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were at the end. Either one of us, we're, we're off in our own little worlds. Uh, welcome into the show. It's brought to you by Walk-On's Sports Bistro. They have hosted, or presented, I should say. I've hosted, and Chase has hosted, but they have presented the um, pregame show all season, the postgame show all season. We uh, did the very smart thing and did not do a postgame show last night at 1 in the morning. It would not have gone oh, well. I, it would not have gone You well. guys were not in the best mood. We were tired. We were trying to get some content. It, it, it would have been a volatile combination, I think, at, at 1 o'clock in it, the morning. It would not have worked. And like any, basically every Ole Miss fan was drunk at that point. So I don't really know what have – I mean. <clears throat> yeah. And I wasn't drunk and kind of wished I were. And so, yeah, it would not have gone well. Uh, Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers and fresh salads. Quality fresh ingredients you can't help but crave. Uh, Two locations here in Mississippi, 1737B University Avenue in Oxford, 720 Highland Colony Parkway in Ridgeland, Walk-On's Sports Bistro, more than a restaurant. People ask us all the time, hey, how can I support the show? Here's how. Go to Walk-On's at, in Ridgeland. Go to Walk-On's in Oxford and tell them you are there because of this show. That's how you help us. You hit the like button, you subscribe to YouTube, and you go to our sponsors and say the only reason I'm here is because of the show. Now, the food's good and the great, great service, bar, the whole deal, but tell somebody, <clears throat> preferably a manager, <laughs> that's how you help i mean i'm just being honest that's kind of like every ad though like tell some uh, yeah uh, tell we, somebody we, we need you to be vocal that would be great when you that buy a truck great. from clark ford make sure Corey knows that you heard about it on the podcast yeah that's, that's that is why you're there speaking of people who sponsor things all of our coverage last week and we had a lot of it i thought i was pretty proud of it of the uh all state sugar bowl was brought to you by the clearwater group we have a lot of listeners who are either business owners or executives for a variety of different companies periodically. I know many of them have projects 
or issues being dealt with by the state legislature or one of the numerous state agencies in Jackson, no matter what, you have to get it dealt with. And you want to make sure you get the best results possible for your business. If you need guidance for how to successfully navigate through state government, I recommend you reach out to the Clearwater Group. The Clearwater Group has been working with uh, Chase and me for years. They're in the lobbying business. They have an exceptional reputation in that world, and it really matters. So if you need uh, some guidance on how to move forward on an issue with state government or even larger local governments, you should reach out to them and get their advice. Just email them at austin, that's A-U-S-T-I-N, at clearwatergroup.ms, or look them up on the web. We're both in the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900's the number. Call it. Ask for uh, Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop it around. You can do what I've done numerous times now. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. You will love the product. you love the service. And uh, Corey wants to be a car guy. He wants to be a truck guy. People say, what does that mean? We'll call the number. You'll start to find out. 662-257-1900. Brian Rippey will join us a little later. Uh, Jeffrey Wright will join before that on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline, Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford, also in New Albany. Um, Po'boys, uh, burgers, great uh Appetizers, full beer selection, full bar, the whole deal at Rafters Music on the Food, M- Music and Food on the Square in Oxford and in New Albany. If you uh, are missing this, you're probably listening to it as the Monday Oxford Exxon podcast. Chase, what's going on with the Oxford Exxon? Trying to give away 10 bucks. We can do that really easily. All you got to do is take a picture of the QR code right there at the pump, 1,000 points, $10, including at the uh, at the tank, the uh, the tank you are filling up right then, you can get that there with the Oxford, oh, sorry, the Exxon Mobile app through the Blue Sky locations throughout Mississippi and the Oxford Exxon lunch specials five sixty nine. You know about those two sides of bread, thirty two ounce drink and uh, and much more. Yeah, Grant, we chose to do this as, uh, over a Monday morning pod for a couple different reasons. People wanted this show. Um, we had a contractual obligation. I was about to say to Walk Ons has a thirteenth show, so we had to do a thirteenth show um, and. Last night just wouldn't have made sense. Mm-hmm. Frankly, on a number of levels, including things that maybe have happened today as far as updating I needed, news. I, mean, I needed yeah. to get on the Zoom to ask questions. Chase, there was two Zooms. So there yeah. was a there was a, two Ole Miss Zooms. One was with uh, Lane Kiffin and Chance Campbell and Snoop Connor, three people that we needed to ask questions of. The other was with, was it five or six players? It was... Five. Supposed to be five, and it might have been four, and they might have ended up being four. Though. But there was a separate at the it same was a separate time, simultaneous thing. Zoom. So obviously, it's it's very difficult to monitor two Zooms at once. So I got on the Kiffin Zoom. Chase got on the Zoom with Jerry and Ely. Ended up breaking the Jerry and Ely's done with Ole Miss. Uh, his career is over. Broke that news. So we just needed. We we needed to work. Yeah, the, the 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 Zoom that we had. So yeah, he Neil had Lane, Snoop, and Chance. That's correct. And then we had Miles, Dean, Jerrion, and Braylon. I'm incredibly frustrated today because I don't know how Luke Altmaier was what one of the four or five 
players that they, that came. He was the other story of the night. It, I mean, it, it strikes it, me as incredibly. It made no sense. I kept thinking, oh, he's the next guy. He's the next guy because at first, were they just being obtuse to not bring him in? I don't know. At first, I thought he was at your press conference. And I'm like, well, no, this no. is kind of stupid because I'm writing this story and you're doing this, and I'm I'm kind of stewing a little bit. And then I realized, no, you didn't have him. And I thought, oh, okay, because even then, the moderator person who kept trying to make all the interviews last 15 minutes, she was like. Is anybody from Miscommunications there? Are you sending anybody else? And I kept thinking, oh, well, Luke will show up. And he never showed up, and I'm going, oh, God. Well, and they, you could almost feel them discussing amongst themselves, the, the, the Sugar Bowl media people. Like, how come the Baylor press conferences last half an hour and the Ole Miss ones last four minutes? And it's the difference in – frankly, it's the difference in the way that the programs are treated by media. I mean, that the programs treat media. That, that's really what it is. I mean, it, it's January, and everybody's like, I'm done. I mean, I we all need a break from one another. And, you know, you made the comment today, and you're exactly right. Programs take on the personality of their head coach, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And this one has. Both of those have. What's, what's interesting about this is in both ways. With the Ole Miss team, they just write up a ten and three season. Obviously, a very successful season. If Matt stays healthy, they might win the game last night. I mean, who knows? Yeah, sure, who knows? Um, but you know, early on, August, September, it was a team that was very focused. It was a team that was very locked in. It was a team that played practice light because Lane does light practices, short practices, keeps them energized. I mean, they really took on his personality in that way. But what they've done here toward the end of the year is taken on his personality from a media standpoint. Because even questions, I, I don't think they were coached. I don't think that's fair, but. The the n- normal question of hey what'd you guys think I don't about think it's unfair what'd you guys think about Luke Altmaier tonight I mean hey he did really well Jerrion gave a really good answer gave a couple of really good answers but the other dudes they just they all said it's just a next man up mentality and kind of moved on to the next question it's like give me something anything here like it just couldn't really get my like that was as the person writing the Altmaier story last night I was kind of frustrated I spent a good bit of time annoyed with that but, yeah um anyway that's there was no that re- is like number 97 on the things going on right now. Whoever but, made the decision not to bring him to the post-game press conference did a disservice to the media that was trying to cover Ole Miss. Period. If that was Lane, it applies to Lane. If it was media relations, it applies to media relations. It was a disservice to, to Ole Miss. Uh, he came in because Matt got hurt, what, midway through the first quarter? That's correct, yes. So, I mean, Luke played three and a half quarters in the Sugar Bowl in his – first significant college appearance on national television against Baylor in a game that everyone was watching, and it was the storyline after the Matt Corral injury. Mm -hmm. And to not bring him was a deliberate decision not to bring him. And whoever made it, whoever made that decision, it was the wrong decision. It It was a decision that was frankly hostile towards media. There. I mean, it's what it is. It's not, I'm not trying to fight. But I have some people like, what do you, you feel like you're pushing back lately? I, and I kind of, I'm not really pushing back, but it's kind of like, okay, well, this is, if this is the way it's going to be, then I think you have to sometimes point out when it feels like it's a deliberate attempt to not let media do their jobs. The fans wanted to hear from, frankly, the fans wanted to hear from two people last night, Matt Corral and Luke Altmeyer, and they heard from neither. And I'm, and, and, and and I'm conditioned me, to get the Matt one. But there's a part of me that when I heard that Matt's x-ray, thank goodness, came back negative. Yeah. So he can't come talk at a podium? Did he choose not to talk? Did Luke choose not to talk? Because I doubt that. 
just felt weird. It's it's there's a disconnect in our in our what we do. There is a growing disconnect between media that are unaffiliated with the university and media who cover the programs. And it feels like it's becoming more combative, mm-hmm. frankly. I know we are butted up against Yellowstone tonight, so thank you as the number does seem to climb there that you are uh, choosing us over Kevin Costner and the, the Wild West tonight. So, um, I mean, they're going ri- to ride around on horses and kill somebody, right? I mean, basically at the end of the day. Is that what's going to happen? And then, I mean, uh, and then stare at each other and talk real dramatically. And then, you think so? Yeah, probably. Okay. I do like the cowboy hats and the, I like their clothes, the boots really? and the hats. And st- yeah, I, I want a cowboy hat. You keep kind of trying to get yourself in that direction. And you can't just can't quite do it. Well, where would I wear a cowboy hat if I had one? We're on the show. I mean, I could wear it. I mean, absolutely. You got boots, don't you? I do have some boots. Do you wear them very often? Uh, occasionally. Not often. Because I've gotten into wearing mine a lot. Really? Yeah, and like it, it's weird. Like Everybody's like, hold on a minute, what are you doing? Because, I mean, it's not me. I've worn loafers every day for almost my whole life. But I, I got a pair of cowboy boots, I guess, two Christmases ago. And I've got to wear, if I'm, most of the time, like jeans or something that kind of goes really? with them, I've got the boots on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've really grown on me to the point that I kind of want another pair. Did you have to get sort of used to walking in them? A little bit, maybe. Because I'm having to adjust to walking in them. Well, but, you know, it's they have slick soles kind of like loafers. I mean, it's sort of like what I'm what, I, what I'm used to from that standpoint. And, you know. I mean, so you scuff them up. Yeah, you scuff them up a little bit. Yeah, I sure. mean, you know. <laughs> Chris yeah. Barnes says the rodeo is coming to Tupelo soon. I mean, hey, all in. <laughs> all in. Uh, Mark, yeah, Matt's x-ray was negative, which means he had no fractures or anything in that ankle. He should be completely fine by the time the, the combine gets here. It should not inf- impact his uh, his combine or his pro day whatsoever. Well, knock on wood. Well, right. Barring a setback that we're unaware of, I guess. He's got two months to get yeah. ready for his combine. He, but the deal is, is you don't want to participate in the combine unless you are 100%. Because the numbers count. The numbers count. But his pro day will be after that. As long as he can do one or the other, he'll be fine. And frankly, I think they like um I think they like a lot of NFL teams like the fact that he showed up and played for his team. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I both feel the same way on the subject. There are some people in our field My God. I want to punch in the face. Well, that goes for a lot of topics, not just this one. But on but... this one in particular, I have a very strong yet simple opinion as it pertains to opt outs. The player can do what he wants. If you feel like you need to opt out, opt out. It's cool. You've earned that right. If you feel like, no, no, I want to play for, with my guys one more time, and I know there's a risk, and it's worth it to me, and that's exactly what Matt said for a month, then by God. He'll play the game. He played. Because here, look, we think he has going to have nothing that's going to be a long-term side effect. It's humans making decisions. There's nothing that says that a GM is sitting there at number seven or eight, has these two quarterbacks, and go, you know what? That guy played for his team. Let's take him. I mean, it could be this close. I mean, who knows? It you could help what, him. I, you know what? My bigger concern with Matt would be if I'm an NFL guy. That he won't quit lowering his damn shoulder. Yeah. My, my would be the run yeah. before the one where he got hurt, where I would say, hey, listen, listen, we like you. We like everything about you. But do you ever watch NFL football? Because I don't want you lowering your shoulder and doing that in week five. 
when you're the face of our franchise. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope, nope. Get down. You might compete too much. Yeah. We have no question about your heart. We we kind of wonder if maybe you have too much of it. Do not take on the middle linebacker. That's No. I know. I but, think that's That's I mean if I'm an NFL scout, an NFL exec, an NFL coach, an owner, that's my question to him is, "Hey, can you control that?" I know I know you love your teammates. That's obvious. I know you love who you play for. It's obvious. You have no question about your competitive fire. It's you have it in spades. But can you can you cor- pardon the pun? Can you corral it? Mm-hmm. Because if you can't, you do us no good when you're on the IR. I need to know that. I mean, I'm not talking about the NFC Championship game, but I'm talking about Week Three against Detroit. Can you cool it? I need to know. That'd be my question that would come out of the Sugar Bowl. Not you decided to play with your teammates. Because frankly, I find that I find that to be attractive, if you will. That's a tie-breaking win, not a now, loss. Now, on the flip side, there are guys who opted out. And I don't, like, for example, Traylon Burks didn't play for Arkansas yesterday. I don't begrudge him that. Well, can you pick it? Yeah. Exactly like, the same. As- like, Burks got hurt late in the season against yeah, Alabama. Yeah. And he sucked it up and he played against Mizzou in their final. And then he said, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. I have no problem with that. If I'm And if I'm an NFL exec, hey, you didn't play in the <laughs> Outback Bowl. You weren't 100%. I get it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's cool. But the media that do this, oh, God, no, everyone should opt out. Or, oh, God, everyone should absolutely play. No, I mean, individuals make individual decisions. Well, the coaches damn sure can make their own decisions on what they're doing and where they're going, so why can't the players? Same thing. Right. It's all good. And every GM's going to get to weight it differently and make their decisions with a full body of work? And you go, eh, eh. It is what it is. I've had a couple a couple Bengals. Did you watch the Bengals today? Yeah, dude. Dude. I mean, I, I'm – Bengals Chiefs. I've got a Saints win today, and, I mean, I'm not, like, doing anything, but I, I, I will tell you, it was kind of like that – that meme where the dude's looking over the other way or whatever. I'm kind of looking over Jamar Chase going, yeah, that's kind of fun. Wow. Like, oh, that's, 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 that's not Bingles, bad. Bengals Chiefs was as good as the NFL gets. That was – Bengals clinched the North today. Bengals clinched the North. Jamar Chase is an absolute monster. Dude. Dude is, an, dude is a monster. And Joe, Joe Burrow's not far behind, but the story of that team is Jamar Chase. And Patrick Mahomes is he incredible. Should, he should win all the awards. Oh, yeah. Chase. Oh, yeah. Those are two phenomenal quarterbacks. Which, as we get into sort of the conversations a little bit with people, is the quarterback is such a comprehensive in, that, in, in, in football today. You have to have a quarterback. You just have to have one. Both of those teams do. They're both... The Bengals and the Chiefs are Super Bowl contenders. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. both of them, both of those quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, can get their – You think Burrow's ready now? Yeah, he's there. Okay. He's there. But he's that guy, right? There's a little bit of Matt Corral and Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, he competes. My God, he competes. I mean, like, you watch him and you're like, hey, dude, back off. He did it a couple of times today, like diving for stuff. Like, no, Mm-mm. no, no, no. We need all your faculties. I mean, Mixon got frustrated with him today. Like, dude, you're you matter to us. Chill. That's. I mean, again, I mean, I, it's it's the thing about Corral, but 
to me, Matt playing last night, that's not no, that that tells me nothing other than that that cat just bubbles up. I gotta know that you can control it. That's it. That's it. That's my only question on Matt Corral. <coughs> that was ESPN's question that day. When we ran through all that stuff, they talked to the scouts and said, Hey, he's gotta gotta quit. It's more than Can't fair. Take him on. It's more than fair. It's a fair criticism. Yeah. Got an elite arm. He's very athletic. I think he sees the field well. I have no I think he's very bright. I don't think Matt's going to have any trouble adjusting to an NFL offense. It's, hey, you you have to cool it. Because mm-hmm. if you get knocked out for six weeks, and there goes your season. And so it just can't happen. You have to be smart. Are we missing a logo? Uh, I don't know. Under my name? Oh, no, I just didn't have one. Oh, we not? No. I mean, I could put Because we moved him around. I moved him around because I wanted to make sure that we recognized the Clearwater. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm yeah. just curious. Okay. Uh, let's see. What do you want to do? Uh, you get to Jeffrey. Maybe we can take on a few of the topics as we get to Jeffrey. I will tell you that we're watching a couple of stories right now. One that I feel free telling you about the other that I don't. Uh, we're on Zach Evans commitment watch. I've got a really good story ready to roll. I talked to a bunch of people today. I have a story ready, which means that he's going to sign with Utah at some point, right? Tomorrow morning at two. It won't be the craziest Utah story because that's where the DJ law kid went signed with four different schools in the same day. Ole Miss, Utah, and a Juco to go with both teams if he had not qualified. By the way, that was a hell of a game. Utah, Ohio State. It was. It was a fun game. I felt bad for Utah. I did too. I I was – I found myself pulling for Utah for whatever reason I'm unaware of. From the very beginning. Yeah, I have have no real reason, but sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Couldn't they move that game up one hour? You'd still get the sunset and all that stuff. Couldn't you move that game up one hour? But they wanted it at the beginning of the fourth quarter. The sunset's got to be the exact right spot. Because the Sugar Bowl started 30 minutes too late. And the Sugar Bowl is not moving off their nighttime game. So I know, I know, yeah, and they shouldn't. It's but fine. you could move up the Rose Bowl one hour. Yeah, 3 o'clock instead of 4 o'clock. And move the Sugar Bowl up 45 minutes, <laughs> and it would everything would work out great. No. Both those bowls are hard-headed as hell. They're the two most hard-headed bowls in the country. And the Rose Bowl is by far the worst. But the Sugar Bowl is like, like right in behind them. Yeah, Mark points out about Micah Parsons. He's I was trying to think of the Cowboys player. If if you're playing Dallas, you just an eleven's right there. Get down, hand it off. Podcast is brought to you in part by G and M Pharmacy and Tyson Drugs. G and M right there on South Lamar in Oxford, six six two two three six two 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 two. They offer MedSync. Fill your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. They also deliver locally in the Oxford area, and they offer right-way meds, which individually packages your medication when you need it. That can save lives in some instances. So many different options depending on what your level of need is. So check G&M. Again, they're on South Lamar in Oxford, 662-236-2222. Podcast also brought to you by Johnston Hill Creamery, johnstonhillcreamery.com. They reopen tomorrow January 4th, you can give them a shout at 662-419-9201, cheese at johnstonhillcreamery.com. Again, go to the website, johnstonhillcreamery.com. Use code free ship on order, orders over $100. They uh, have all their cheese made in-house. They use brown dairy farm milk. It's aged in their uh, their cheese cave. They have their own location. Great side items or accompanying items, pepper jelly, spiced honey, plenty of different things. There as well as plenty of delicious cheeses. JohnstonHillCreamery.com. Podcast brought to you in part by Community Mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Settle County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. They're getting local underwriting and understand your market. A leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662 
234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Podcast brought to you by Northeast Spark. That's S-S-P-A-R-C, service people across rural communities. Two packages, the Ignite with the 100 Mbps or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's N-E-Spark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service available, parental controls, network security, and much more. So get the best internet around. Again, 662-238-3159. And then last but certainly not least, Nick's Tan and Associates. All the real estate needs here in the Oxford area. I've used them multiple times. Give them a chance as well. The buy side, the sell side, they'll take care of you. Still a very volatile real estate market. O'Keefe Graham Claydewees and his team of associates will help you out. 662-281-1200. Nickstanoxford.com. As we're in 2022, time to find your next home. Again, nickstanoxford.com. Real quick before you do that. Okay. We put too much recency bias on the Alabama game for Georgia, right? Because they, they, they look like the Python again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a reason that Vegas came out with Georgia minus two and a half or whatever it was. I yeah. mean, Vegas is like, hey, we know what's coming. I think I think we all know what's coming. And Georgia's quarterback play was really good the other night. He played well. Look, on the first the first time those two teams met, Georgia didn't have as much to play for. Motivation matters in bowl games, right? Yeah, sure. Georgia knew that it was going no matter to, what. to the playoff. Alabama knew that without winning the, the game against they Georgia, they were not going to the playoff. Well, there's two different motivations. Yeah. Should be a great game. Yeah. The other story is a um, it's a different story, but Chase is ready for it. Who knows? We might even get to talk about it tonight. Probably not, but maybe. Okay. I wasn't sure where you were going, yeah. Is okay. that fair? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Good. All right. Uh, we also are still on DJ Durkin watch with whatever's going on there. Yeah, so midday yesterday, I would have bet that he was leaving. Now you think he's staying. Midday today, I would bet that he is staying, but I want to emphasize that this is one of those deals that is not done. Also, it is 724 tonight. So when this podcast goes live in the morning, be aware that it's 724 as yeah. we're talking right now. I think Jimbo Fisher has a couple of guys that he wants to talk to, and DJ Durkin is one of those people. And that conversation might change everything. I think he also wants to talk to Derek Mason at Auburn. So, and Ole Miss is trying to keep DJ Durkin uh, aggressively. Yeah. So, there's that. But I think DJ has some. Th- I mean, I've talked to people today who would know. I think DJ has some things he wants to talk about. He some things he needs to kind of feel better about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people are asking about quarterbacks. I got nothing. I got nothing. I'll be honest. I know there's a lot of talk about – did you see the Chip Kelly UCLA crazy stuff? Yeah. 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 Um, I know that makes people ask about Dylan Gabriel. Um, Dylan- Watch a chance that if for some reason NILs get stupid and Caleb, Caleb Williams ends up at USC, yeah, that Gabriel that b- b- bells to Oklahoma. Yeah, that's – Watch that one. That's what Dylan Gabriel is watching before he does anything else. Yeah. Now, if you tell me that somehow Oklahoma hangs on to Caleb Williams – and Chip Kelly gets fired, okay, different deal. And Ole Miss might wait on that a couple couple weeks. I don't get the sense that – watch him commit in an hour, but I don't get the sense that Ole Miss and Cameron Ward are very far along. They appear to be slow playing each other at this yeah, point. almost breaking up slowly. Yeah. 
nobody wants to be the one to start the conversation. Kind of like you went on one date and you didn't really resolve that, hey, we're never going to do this again. Or maybe you even said, hey, we're going to talk again soon. It's the guy that has the tick who everybody goes, hey, let's do it again sometime. And <laughs> doesn't really mean to. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, hell. <laughs> then you finish the next Oh uh, yeah, I'm out. Hey, let's do it again. Uh, and okay. she's like, she's like, I don't really want to do it again. But he was a nice enough guy, and if he called me, m- maybe. And so they're just kind of doing that dance. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, is it Dorian Thompson? Is Dorian it Thompson? Yeah. Thompson Green. DGT Green Thompson. Green Thompson. Yeah. yeah he's acting like he's going to stay, which is not. I don't know. Not ideal for Dylan Gabriel. Although I think Dylan Gabriel got a NIL deal, and that's the reason he's at UCLA. Correct. Yes. Is that what you've heard as well? Uh, yeah, that was that was that was true. But yeah. I mean, you can't get those two enroll. I mean, so <laughs> at all, no, no, no fun, funny business at all that happens no, with NIL. Nope. It's just like the Freedom Fighters tell you. Yeah. Can't be used as a recruiting incentive. Not at all. Nope. Uh-uh. Good evening. Good evening, Jeffrey. How are you? I am well, gentlemen. How are y'all? Chase, put your headset on. Let's see if you can. Is his audio okay? I don't know. Talk. Jeffrey? Testing. Testing. Three mic check, one, two. Testing, testing. Yeah, I one, think you're good two. now. Yeah, he's okay. He's okay. How, how was your new year? Uh, well, I had a little miss pretty big, so uh, it could have been better. So did uh, you, hold on real quick. Did you lose power yesterday in the middle of all these games? It was such a disaster. So we obviously had winter storms. And it's one of those weird situations where if you have winter storms and you lose power, you kind of have an understanding. You have an understanding that, hey, you got to be patient with the crew. Well, what happened to me is we didn't lose power. But in their effort, I think, to get power back to the uh, traffic light, they cut our power. And you could tell when it happened, one of the neighbors across the street, like, went and you could see, like, he had the reaction of what happened. And there was this kind of the shoulder shrug from the guy in the truck. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? And he just kind of moved on. And then, you know, we it was basically right before the kickoff of the Rose Bowl. So I missed the whole first half of the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And then we went over to my parents' house and... You know that was that was an old Miss household. It was a funeral. All right, you like to talk about quarterback play. What did you see out of uh, Luke Altmaier last night? Yeah, I don't know what there is to take or not to take from it because a couple of things. Number one, that's about as bad of a spot as you can be put in. Sure, because no matter no matter what anyone says, it was twofold. Number one. You know, the reaction from Ole Miss when you lose Corral. Like, it's, you know, your head's going to drop a little bit. And then on top of that, that was when I felt like Baylor thought, okay, we can win this. And with Altmeyer, from what I watched of him when he was at Starkville, I really liked him. Um, what I saw last night was when he was trying to just, like, straight up run the offense and, like, run the plays that were called, he looked – uh, if, you, if you're going through a checklist in your head, you're always going to be a little bit slower. You're not going to be playing freely. You're not going to be playing quickly. And I thought when he was in those moments, it didn't look well. But then when I thought he was really, really good 
when plays break down and he could kind of scramble and then it was no longer thinking. It was just kind of reacting and playing ball, if you will. I thought he looked really good. I just still don't know what there was or wasn't to take from it because in fairness to the young man, guys, they were with a three-man front. Yeah. I mean, they were just rolling the line of scrimmage all night and they couldn't run it. They, you know, I, I know the stats show they ran it decently, but I, I never felt like they could run it when they had to. And I thought he threw a really good deep ball. Yeah. And, um, You know, he was... The pick six was a little unlucky, also a little. He threw it late, but I mean, I, I can't imagine asking a young man to go in in his like first meaningful snaps. I know there were the those three or four snaps against Auburn, but like let's be real, you know. And then kind of when the game flipped and he made the big throw to get the touchdown and tie it up, and then you know, they kind of started to get some momentum, and then there was yet again another back-breaking play, and then, you know, it turns around the first time the defense gives up, you know, a, a touchdown of 25 or more all year. It was just kind of a, a bad game script, so I thought he did some good things. I certainly, I don't know how you could have seen anything definitively that says that's the guy, or definitively like, oh, he can't play. Like To me, it was very incomplete. Yeah, you you mentioned the offensive line issues for Ole Miss. They end up getting sacked ten times over the course of the night, Corral and and, and Altmaier combined. And because of it getting blown up, and not just getting blown up, but as you said, getting blown up from the middle most of the time, you're immediately having to get out of the pocket. You're having to move. You're having to do so many different things that there was no rhythm anywhere. It was in the passing game. It was in the run game. I mean, he's having to check everything, even in the passing game. And their tackle play was <clears throat> abysmal, yeah. too. I mean, it wasn't just it wasn't just guard-center guard. It started guard-center guard, and then Jeremy James got hurt, and right tackle was an adventure. And that was the worst game Nick Brokers played in an Ole Miss uniform. Yeah, it was. So, point being, he had all those things going on. As you said, he improvised really well. I thought there was arm strength there. It looked like when I got done, I kind of went, well, okay, the talent's there. I, I see where he absolutely could be a starting quarterback in the SEC, but there's still a good bit of development, and I think that's the question. It just didn't look like he is necessarily developed to the point of being ready at this point. No, and I think I think the two things, if you want to look at it from the positive perspective, I don't think Luke Altmaier is going to run the same offense that Matt Corral runs. And, and, you know, Lane Kiffin throughout his career has shown an ability of whatever he does have, he kind of tools his offense to do what they you know to get the ball in the playmakers the best that they can well with Matt Corral you're just going to run a very very different offense because of you know his elusiveness his ability to be an elite runner and, and all of those things well I mean I'm not saying I thought I thought Luke showed some good athleticism but I mean I don't think anyone's going to mistake him for a four or five guy but when they came out in the second half and you could tell they had the they had the long halftime to kind of come together and be like, okay, what can we do? How can we, you know, how can we move the football? I thought they had two really good drives. And, you know, in the end, this really boiled down to Ole Miss got six opportunities inside the 40 of Baylor, and they got zero points. I mean, even their touchdown was a deep shot. So, you know, I, I think with... I think if you committed to him and said he's the guy and built an offense around him, I think that is a more than capable SEC starter. I, so I asked Lane Kiffin, and he didn't like my question because I 
the way Zooms work, you know this, the way Zooms work, you get one shot. And so you have to make sure that you take yeah, as big I, of a... I, Dylan and I watched the YouTube last night, yeah. You have to take as big a bite of the apple as you can. Yep. And so I put as many questions as I could into a a sentence. But I asked him about did Luke's performance change the way you approach the portal, and he did not address that at all. And he heard the question because he he pointed out that I asked a lot of questions, which for Lane is usually a sign that he was pissed off at at least one of the questions. That's what I've observed. Um, and he was just pissed off in general. Um, I mean, they got you know, it, there's it's very obvious with him what they do on offense dictates his mood. Yeah, and. I mean, again, I credit Baylor because I think that defensive front played awesome. I also did not feel like Ole Miss had a very good plan on offense. Well, and Dave Aranda talked to earlier in the week about the one thing that worried him about Ole Miss was was the fact that he knew that they had an advantage with their defensive line against Ole Miss's offensive line, but he worried about does that advantage exist when Ole Miss gets into their tempo. And he talked about how the way to, the way to negate that is the – you know, the f- opening play of a drive is you have to keep it to three yards or less. They did that pretty consistently all night. He talked about how you don't let them get into that. You don't let them get moving. The momentum downhill, if you will, yeah. Where they got worn out. And so everything played the, the way that Dave Aranda wanted it to play out is the way that it played out offensively, I mean defensively for him. And, and he's, a, he's a genius defensively. He's very, very good. And Ole Miss uh, ran down plays and got 3.5 yards per play. Okay. And that. That includes explosive. So you know what I mean. They they won a lot of first downs. Yeah, yeah. Because one forty yard play and you've skewed it the whole Correct. night. So sure, that makes sense. I, and so, and to me, like I, I don't know. I kind of felt like this the whole year. Where I do understand last night has a massive impact, and I think it has this massive impact because you went on kind of this roller coaster of. I do think there was at least an acknowledgement of. Okay, this is it, you know, not only with Matt, but this is probably it with this group. And you knew there was probably going to be a lot of change, but it felt like there was going to be, you know, one one good fun night again. And everyone was looking for that. And they remember the last time they were there and what a, you know, you know, it, there were kind of similar circumstances. The difference, obviously, the recruiting class that was probably coming in was going to be better, but we can get into all that later. But to me, I think it's like as soon as Matt got hurt, it just, it just like took all the air out of it. And then even worse, you got back into the game and you realize, like, guys, Gary Bohannon, I mean, awful, so he bad. Was, he was horrible. I mean, they went eleven and two with that quarterback. Well, Drew, uh, whatever Blake Shapen played a lot. I mean, I, I still, I, I no, I mean. I mean, almost eventually had a good plan, but that quarterback was god awful. Well, they had a good plan, but also their plan. Their plan is never for their defense to win the game. Their plan is always for the defense to contain. Yeah, and it's kind of bend but don't break, and then you know maybe get a turnover, and then really the biggest difference of last night. And I'm certainly not pinning it on anyone, but I don't remember the last time Ole Miss. I guess was it the LSU game last year when they lost the turnover battle this badly? I mean, oh, Ole Miss is taking yeah. care of the football. Because Matt's taking care of it, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, they had, they lose the turnover battle 4-1. I mean, 
you know, it, all 21 points came off a turnover. And, you know, even the, the pick six is even worse because even if you miss the field goal, at least you don't give them seven because at that point, man, I didn't know. I, I didn't know if they could go down and score. And so I think what just kind of made it so deflating or, or whatnot, the, all the kind of the atmosphere is, A, I did actually think this was not the Peach Bowl that we covered back in 14. Oh, no, I, I thought, no. I thought they showed up ready to play. It's just, you know, they everything went against them, and I think Baylor was probably better than we think, even though, as Neil points out, I still have no idea how you won 11 games without offense. Yeah, you don't. When you're doing your game plan, I mean, you talk about, hey, what do we do if something happens with the quarterback? But realistically, you don't put a lot of a lot of time into, hey, what do we do if Matt goes down with eight minutes to go in the first quarter? What do we What do we do with that? And you just don't spend a lot of time there because that's just human nature. No, and honestly, you're the way that Matt treated it and the way that that Matt talked about this game. I think he had every intention of letting Matt play as much as he wanted to play. And it was going to be his team and his night because, God, what he's given that program, I, I think he has earned that right. And, you know, it's just human nature. You, when, when you lose a guy like that, even when they started, you know, you can sit there and go, we got it, we got it, and, you know, tap the guy on the head. But, I mean, guys, like, there's a reason, like, when, you've, when you have – maybe Luke Altmaier becomes that guy in this program. I, I, don't, I don't know who's to say one way or the other, but he hasn't done it yet, and that's kind of the problem with – with belief and confidence in sports, it's like you kind of have to see it happen. Kind of leaning to what you said about Ben, but don't break. I thought this was an interesting stat. Ole Miss 51st in the country in scoring defense. And I'm doing quick math here, but like 77 in yards per play. Yeah, I mean, they were basically, they gave up no explosive plays, but to give up no explosive plays, essentially what that means is you're dropping a lot of guys. Yeah. And you're making sure and then you know last night I think when it ended was when they got the massive explosive run on that jet sweep that nobody saw because the camera wasn't even looking at the play <laughs> I mean you know they they talked about all year the difference was like I think Ole Miss finished number 100 in total defense meaning yards allowed 97 97 yeah. and they were after yeah, last night okay yeah. and then they were so they were probably early Play like 51, 52 in scoring 51. defense. 51. You know, I mean, they created a lot of turnovers. And I thought one of the big plays last night, it's not fair to do this to the kid, but like Dean Leonard drops drops a pick six. They had to have that to win the he game. He jumps the yeah. route, and if he catches the ball, it's a, it's a TD. And then who knows? But they just didn't get the breaks. And then Baylor did. And, and Missed Baylor, two field goals. And, and Baylor was really good defensively. I mean, that was Baylor. one of the best defenses that Ole Miss has played all year. And and you could see it. They were physical, and, and when you get dominated up front, we've all talked about it, when you get dominated up front, even if you have your All-American all quarterback playing at a high level, it's going to be a challenge. And if you get dominated up front and you're playing with your true freshman backup quarterback who hasn't played significant snaps all year, good luck. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, uh, again, we'll never know the impact that the injury had and maybe that, you know, like when Robert Kimdichie got hurt against Memphis in 2015, I've talked to kids on that Memphis team. They said, like, the first time they ever believed that they could win that game was when he got hurt. Maybe that's what happened for Baylor. But from just what we watched of the football game last night, I, I'm, I can't say with 100% certainty Ole Miss wins that game. 
ask with Matt Corral. I would have, I would have, I, I think I would have bet on it, but I don't, I don't think it was a slam dunk. I mean, guys, they were just getting, they were just getting beat at the, at the point of attack on almost every play. Yeah, he had not solved that defense yet when he left. I mean, Matt, when Matt left, he was two for six with a pick. I mean, he well, would have done I, more, but I mean, you know, hadn't gotten there yet, and it was no run game to speak of. And, and I all. think you know, oh, I think it would have maybe opened up because Matt was starting to run more, and they were getting some first downs and and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like against a really fast physical defense, you if your quarterback runs a lot, like there's a lot of opportunities to take a shot. So when you look ahead to 2022, and I know this is almost impossible today because there's so much transfer portal stuff that has to happen, both with guys coming in and both with guys leaving, frankly. We don't know all those answers. We're starting to hear some of them, but we don't know all of them. What's your what's the one thing that if you were an Ole Miss fan gives you confidence going into 2022, and what's the one, one or two things that, that maybe scare you the most? Uh, I think... I think in the end, the one thing that would always give me confidence is Lane Kiffin, for all flaws that he has, he has always put together a really good offense, and it hasn't always had to be with special NFL talent. And I, I would have faith that he's going to get enough playmakers to move the football. I think what would scare me is the same thing that probably scares a lot of teams that have success, and I know Lane talked about it this week, but... When you have success, you have turnover. And it's a lot easier for Nick Saban to replace turnover in every sense of the word. You know, the Nick Saban school for wayward boys in the coaching community allows you to to replace with some good coaches and, and, and whatnot. And he doesn't bat a thousand on it. I mean, I don't know if his offensive line coach and his coordinator are gonna be back this year, but it's really, really hard to replace guys and you don't bat a thousand. So, in the end, honestly, like, the loss of Lebby, if you could somehow get Durkin back, and it seems like today there's more optimism than there was, it seemed like, even yesterday. Sure. I, I think that that is also something to take some confidence from, because, like, in the end, no matter how realistic it is or isn't, it is always Lane Kiffin's offense from a perception standpoint. And so there's always going to be that angle, and I think that's also why, if you're Jeff Levy, even if Ole Miss made maybe a better offer, I think you, if you want to become a head coach, you're going to have to leave because even if you are actually running the offense, like it's just you're never going to get the credit for that. I, I, it's, I'm just at this really, really weird impasse with, with teams like Ole Miss in the sense that I don't really know if there's a – right answer of how to build a roster and maybe Ole Miss ends up becoming under Lane Kiffin the transfer school and you know are you going to build a national title contender with that I don't think so but I mean I can see where he gets enough pieces and he coaches them up to eight and four. I mean, you know what I mean? I, or you know, Yeah, I, this is a critical recruiting year for them. This this class coming up is critical. They've got to do better at the high school level. They they do. I mean, he look, here's the thing. It's, it's interesting because I think Lane, when he says it, he's talking about his team, and I think it applies to him. There's a uh, – the, the, the enemy of great is good. 
Lane Kiffin on Saturdays, most Saturdays, is great. Um, Lane, and this is not me talking. This is me talking to a lot of people around him, people who have worked with him, people who know him, people who are familiar with the program, etc., at numerous places. Lane Kiffin, Sunday through Friday, is inconsistent. And, you know, he, he likes to, very obviously, but the way, so many of the things that he does, his mannerisms, media policies, practice, everything is, is a lot, a lot of the things that he does are built around his experience at Alabama when he worked with, with Nick Saban. But what makes Nick Saban great is not Nick Saban on Saturday. Because frankly, people will tell you that Nick Saban on Saturday is fairly good, solid. Mm-hmm. Where Nick Saban wins games is Sunday through Friday and throughout an offseason. That's where he wins his games. That's where he makes his hay. That's where he's built his legacy. And that's where that's where Kiffin's got to make his step if he's going to win, whether it's Ole Miss or anywhere else. He's got to become a better program manager, and he's got to become a more elite court, uh, an elite coach Sunday morning through Friday night. Throughout January and March and April and June, and that's that's where he's just got to get better. It's it's bottom line, and, and and I think you you see both sides of that this year. He was he was phenomenal on game day so many times, and yet when you evaluate where he is, you can see where there have been some failures Sunday through Friday, and you certainly see that in the recruiting class that they just signed. Frankly, it just simply should have been better. There's no way around that. And so I think this 23 class has to be better. Yeah, and I think there's also the there's this weird reality for me of, okay, let's take a look at the two teams that are playing for the national title. And if you go look at the, you know, the other websites, team composite talent ranking. Other websites. Other, other websites. You're talking about like CNN, Drudge Report. Uh, yeah, you know me, me and Matt Drudge, we 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 keep it real. Okay, okay. Uh, so, C, so the CNN CNN composite reports. Okay, sure. You look at the you know the CNN talent ranking. Yeah. I hope everybody's sitting down for this. The two best rosters are Alabama and Georgia, and there's a decent gap between them and Ohio State. But I the reason why I bring that up is. I'm now starting to wonder, because I thought this was an interesting season in terms of the SEC. I don't know if it says anything big picture. It may be an outlier. I did take note when Kentucky and Ole Miss combined to go 20-6. and And I am now starting to wonder if Alabama and Georgia are separating themselves in the talent. As you talk about the Sunday to Friday aspect of the job, because I firmly agree with you. There are two parts of coaching. There's what you do on game day, and then there's what you do the rest of the time. And maybe they are building these monsters that can't really be caught because now you start to see where the rest of the league is kind of in limbo, but now you look at what Texas A&M did on the recruiting trail. It seems that come hell or high water, they're bound and, uh, you know, determined to buy as good of a roster as you possibly can. And mm-hmm. also tell Lane, hey, man, if, you're, if your argument is 
we got outbid on a lot of these kids, even though we all know this is just name, image, and likeness. This is not pay-for-play. Absolutely never pay-for-play. But maybe there's a reason why you're getting outbid. Like, maybe you got to glad hand a little more. Like, people have to want to spend money. Like, in the end, it's my biggest reason for why I will go to the death arguing that Alabama is the best college football job. They have the largest amount of people that care and that are willing to spend money, not in a sense of I'm going to get anything out of this other than I'm going to see this team win. And it's why every coach, whether it's average, great, they've all won 10 games there. And so at Ole Miss, it's been proven you can have runs. Cutcliffe had a run. Uh, Hugh had a run. Houston had a run. Lane has now had a run. It's been proven you can do that. But the next question is, what do you do after the run? Can you, can, you, can you build a program, not can you build a team? And I think that's the question that I have with Ole Miss right now is, did, are they building a program or did they build a really good team that, you know, because well, of – Kentucky's how- a great example, right? Not to interrupt you, but Kentucky's a great <laughs> example because Stoops just won 10 games for – someone said, the, is that the second or third time? It's the third time in program history he's second under him. So, so he's done it twice now, you know. So he's getting closer and closer to doing what we're talking about. It's it's your ability to build on success and not take a big step back. I talked to someone today who uh, knows a lot of these programs really well. Who said, "Look, anybody who doesn't expect Ole Miss to take a step back next year is just delusional." It's about how big of the step back it is if it's just a small step back it's great if it's a big step back then you got to climb back up the ladder again and that's going to come down to how they handle the portal and how they handle some of the things and and how they handle this off season and it's going to be you know the 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 schedule is is um is is light at the beginning and is super heavy at the end and so it's your ability to, to to build the kind of depth that you have to have and and um you know, um, the the whole team building aspect of it, which frankly he's very good at. He's very good at team building. He's got to prove that he's good at program building. But but so he's got he's got a very. I think he has a big off season in front of him that that um, you know, and in the midst of all this, you're going to get the whole Arch Manning thing. I mean, I had people sending me pictures of Arch Manning last night walking up steps or sitting in his chair and. I mean, everybody's the, the the whole arch thing is is going to weigh heavily on what happens, and and you know I think at, at this point, if you're betting, the smart money is is on is not on Ole Miss, and so if you don't get Arch Manning and you're Lane Kiffin, is you've got to recover from that. You've got to build some momentum. You got to do some other things that remind people that hey, this this we're we're, we're fine. Everything's going to be okay. I just think this is a really big year, and I think if you told me that they go. You know, eight and four, and and land a top fifteen class. I'd say, look out! Here he goes. He's about to take this thing off because he's a very good coach. But on the flip side, if you told me that they go six and six and it's a twenty eighth ranked class, I'm like, look out! You're in trouble because this in this league that's not good enough. And you look around the league and you see Kentucky and, and they just won ten games. And you look at, um, I mean, Arkansas just won nine games yeah. and. And Alabama and Georgia are playing for the title, and 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 A and M's recruiting at an incredibly high level. And Brian Kelly wins everywhere he ever go ever goes. He's going to win at um, he's going to win at LSU. He just is. It, it and and you look around like 
Shane Beamer at South Carolina and, and Josh Heupel at Tennessee, where it's very clear that there's momentum inside their programs. And I just think this is a big, a really big seven months coming up. Yeah, and, and to your point, I think let's use the example of Arkansas. I know what a lot of Ole Miss people want from Lane Kiffin is, you know, they want to hear him say, I love you, and then I love it here, and this is where I want to be, and whatnot. Basically, all the things that Sam Pittman says. And the reality is, I just don't know if that's ever going to happen with Lane Kiffin, and I could foresee where he ends up being at Ole Miss for 10 years. Like I'm willing to accept that. When I talk about my personal curiosity is I think that Sam Pittman is building a better program because it feels like he's doing it more in a normal sense and and building on momentum and whatnot but you could also tell me like the game has completely changed with the transfer portal and whatnot and while I firmly agree with Neil that you have to be better I am also willing to acknowledge well, maybe you can do it this way, and maybe, oh, sure. maybe he is like a sure. uh, 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 Bill Snyder in that, hell, whoever ends up showing up, he ends up figuring out a way to coach him up and, and getting something out of it because of what Neil mentioned. He's good at building a team. The problem is, as Neil says, you know, you're not in the Big 12 that Bill Snyder was in. Like, I don't think LSU is going to be down very long. I think A&M is going to be able to accidentally win as many games as they want over the next three years the way that they're recruiting. Alabama is still Alabama. Uh, Arkansas, I think, has has found an identity and a way to win. Again, I I don't think you can just pencil in that you're better than them. You know, Mississippi State is is kind of like what a Mike Leach team is. It's like 7-5, 8-4, but it's steady. And then you factor in, you know, in the East and whatnot, if the schedule, you know, does a, does Texas and Oklahoma come in next year? Do you, you know, do you lose the Vanderbilt automatic, you know, which should be an automatic win every year? It just starts to get really hard, and the 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 margins are so razor thin for Ole Miss to be ten and two. I mean, think about this very year. They're one play away in Arkansas from losing. They're probably Tennessee play play. against Tennessee from from losing right mm-hmm. and oh for sure those are two games that Matt Corral won single-handedly in my by, mind by himself like, yeah absolutely I mean we've said uh, this like against Arkansas and, and Tennessee if if Matt Corral just has good games they lose both games I mean he has he has great games against those two teams and and, and that's not to say that it didn't count it does that's the whole point it sure does count. that's why you recruit him but Matt Corral also was was more than like the reason that that when Matt Corral Correct. comes out on crutches last night and he gets a standing ovation was not because he came to Ole Miss in the transfer portal, it's because he Correct. signed with Ole Miss and he went through adversity and he stuck through it and all of those things. And when you're building culture inside of a program, I don't, I don't, and if I'm proven wrong, hey, there's something to talk about. I don't think you can build your culture through the transfer portal. I think you have to build your culture through guys that have put sweat equity into a place. And if you look at at this team for Ole Miss that just won 10 games, it's it's not just Matt. 
who's Jerry and Ely who's been there the whole time. Snoop Connor's been there the whole time. Nick Broker and Jeremy James and Ben Brown before he got hurt. And Eli Acker, who grew up an Ole Miss fan. And um, you had Dontario Drummond, who'd been there for a while. Braylon Sanders was there for, what, 10 years? Yeah. Um, you know, I, Mingo signed with them out of high school. Um, <coughs> on defense, Sam Williams went through hell before he realized, hey, I'm letting my teammates down. Mm-hmm. Katie Hill was at Ole Miss for like twelve years. Um, you've got guys in the in the secondary that were there for a long time, yeah. And then you supplement it with guys like Chance Campbell, obviously, and and Jake Springer and, Jake Springer and, and stuff. But the, but the nucleus of that team, I mean, even Mac Brown was was, was there for Mac. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was there forever. I mean, you just—it's just different. I don't—I don't think you can go. Hey, we're going to go add fourteen guys out of the portal every year, and this is going to work. I—I I could be wrong, but I don't. I mean, that's my opinion. I don't think that's how you build a winning program. I think you can do it on a year, but it's got a certain JUCO gambling element to it. And and boy, when those when those bets come back bad, you lose big, and. I just I don't know. I, I think again, and I'm doing this to myself because right now I'm the guy that's doing the lion's share of the recruiting stuff. I think this 2023 class is critical. Oh, I, I firmly agree with you because I think in the end, everything that you just mentioned there, I think it all comes back to. And again, I understand this isn't great analysis, but for all of us that have played sports, you you know it when you see it. You're talking about leadership, and leadership is important. Mm-hmm. I play teams that, honestly, the difference between, like, I think about in my, my sophomore year when we won a state championship, the year before we went, like, three and nine, and we were awful. And really, the, we didn't change the roster that much. Like, it was just, the difference was, the year before, we had a bunch of seniors. We only had, like, six or seven of them. They weren't good leaders, and no one no one wanted to follow them. Well, the next year, we had like 25 seniors. They all were, you know, in their own ways, they were all really good leaders, and you played for them. And when the margins for error are so slim, I think you're right. I guess the only holdup that I have is I I don't feel like I've seen enough to definitively say, because I mentioned it to to Neil Chase that maybe the transfer portal is like becoming a JUCO school in the '90s, and, and the best example off the top of my head is just Jackie Sherrill, Mississippi State, and mm-hmm. Neil is like when they were good, they were good, but man, when it falls apart, it falls apart fast, and I just don't know if I don't know if college football is is the type of sport anymore where you know you can you can get get up top fall back down and then try to build it up over two or three years again like I, I i just don't know i don't know if you get the chance i think you basically get i think you get one mulligan and you know i think the other big difference is because while no one's going to care if lane keeps winning like every the end everyone's gonna love him. like that's just the that's the reality of the business but what if you don't like? What if it's a? What if you leave it up to the judges and, and the fact that you haven't built up any equity in the fan base, you haven't built up any equity in the in the people that cut the checks. You know, I think that's a very dangerous game to play. Yeah, 
yeah, you can the portal you're going to hit on a higher level than you are JUCO, but yeah, it still comes back to culture and building your bases and your foundations and all your different things. I, I think you can cherry pick it more effectively because you don't have that transition to the second year like the JUCO kids have and all that kind of crap. But the other thing, too, is a lot of JUCOs, you can just kind of get on them. They're not usually getting recruited by the whole damn country. Mm -hmm. That's some of the problem right now that Ole Miss has with the portal is that, I mean, duh, the really good players are being taught. They're being recruited like high school kids by every damn body. Well, the reason why I said 90s JUCO is, and I explained this to Neil, in the 90s, guys would go to JUCO, honestly, usually because they were grade problems. Yeah, sure. In the late 90s and the early 2000s, people just figured out how to get them in. Yeah. You know, you change the ACT rules or whatnot. And so, <laughs> or just change the ACT. <laughs> exactly. Or just take the ACT for them. Yes. Yeah, sure. But people, it, it wasn't just at Ole Miss. Everyone figured it out. And so then it became a situation where now, if you're a JUCO school now, like, you can't do it. And there's a reason why no one really does it anymore. I guess my one other question is it's like, okay, what if you build the high school class and now, you know, what if 10 of them, 15 of them weren't ready to play and then all of a sudden then they go into the portal? Like, I, I just don't know. Like, I think it is this – I think we have to get more structure to this. You know, there has to be some transfer window, like, rules. Because right now it's just like, as I think Neil mentioned, like, almost the starting center showed up in August. Mm -hmm. Like – you yeah, know, no, I think it has to be – there has to be transfer windows that are – and I think that's coming. And, and I actually asked Lane about that early in the season, and to his credit, he said, yeah, he thinks that's important too. And, I mean, I, I think I think we're just starting to get to where we understand the ramifications of, of the portal and all of that stuff. And, I mean, like literally on this whole Zach Evans thing, it's, okay, wait a minute, does he have to be eligible right now or does he have to be eligible by June? And I've talked to different people who are like, I'm not really sure what that rule is. And so – if they're not sure, you know other people aren't sure as well. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, thanks for the time as always, not just tonight, but all season long. Really appreciate you doing this. All right, guys, be good. Later, Joe. All right. The Oxford Exxon Podcast also brought to you by Brothrow. It's a social sports betting network, free to use. It's a really cool, fun way to bet. NFL playoffs getting started here soon. You still got the uh, national championship game. No third party, no juice. Over time, it's going to save you money. You can start your own group, make friends, invite your friends. Payment happens within 24 hours of the conclusion of your bet. You can take the other side of an existing bet, start a new bet, and more. It's brothrow.com, or you can go to bet.brothrow.com. Also brought to you by Dead Soxy. Go to deadsoxy.com. Any order, enter the promo code REBELGROVE, and you get 25% off the best socks you will ever put on your feet. Uh, we're also brought to you by Game Changer Patches, the only two-patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. The warm-up patch is used before or while you drink. The overtime patch is used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game and ready for your next play. So go to GameChangerPatch.com, enter the promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Also brought to you by Automation and Control Systems, LLC. ACS, owned and operated by Clay McNutt in Baldwin, Mississippi. Established in 2013, ACS is a complete electrical control system solution provider and a Rockwell automation recognized system integrator. ACS has a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff and a UL508A panel shop. ACS can custom tailor software packages, custom design electrical control panel solutions, and much more. 
It's a full-service AutoCAD services provider and a full-service fiber optic cabling solution provider. If you're in need of custom HMI and SCADA solutions or large horsepower VFD specialist, ACS has you covered. They can service and install Rockwell Automation, Allen Bradley, Siemens, ABB, Square D, and many other manufacturers. For more information or to get in touch with ACS, go to acsllcms.com or call 662-601-4381. Pinpoint Commercial Real Estate is based out of Jackson, and they service the entire state of Mississippi in all commercial asset classes such as retail, office, industrial, and land. This week's property spotlight is on Paragon Center in Ridgeland, Mississippi. It's comprised of 150,000 square feet of Class A office space located on Highland Colony Parkway, minutes from the new Costco, Walk-On Sports Bistro, and Interstate 55. This section of Highland Colony is experiencing substantial commercial growth. It's located alongside some of the most affluent neighborhoods in Mississippi. If you'd like to learn more about this great opportunity to house your professional office, give Sam Cox and B.B. Mitchell a call at 601-586-3220. And we're brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry. Lamons, located at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford, has been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, Children's jewelry, collectibles, and more. Lamons is the gold standard in fine jewelry. Visit them at lamonsfinejewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. And we're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Different names, but the same great products, the same people, the same great services. You might have noticed that we had quite a weather change over the weekend. From hot to cold, that can really stress a system. If yours needs to be looked at and you live in the Oxford, Tupelo, or surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, DeSoto, that area, call Southern at 662-429-4429. Brian, ready? Uh, sure. Why not? Okay. I got to get... One of the problems with FaceTime is you have to get out of FaceTime before you can get back into FaceTime. Yeah, 100% true there. Three-year portal guys are better than four-year high school kids. It's just getting those kids. Yeah, of course. I mean. I think, I think this is okay, but if not, I'll have to close out of FaceTime audio and then open it back. Okay. What's up? Brian, Hi. how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm good. How was New Orleans? It was uh, it was fun. Uh, I would classify it certainly as a lot. Uh, we kind of made a week out of it. Uh, five nights was a lot to handle in New Orleans, but it was a good time. As a rule, anything over three nights in New Orleans, and even the third one, you can't do. You can't go crazy all three. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it to you this way: I thought there was a chance that I would just they would just eventually find me in my hotel room this morning. And that would be it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, I've got several things here. We'll talk some football, talk some crowd. You and I text a good bit. You said that you you knew it was going to be a drunk fest even yesterday morning when an Ole Miss fan was ordering a very large drink at 9 a.m., and it kind of carried all the way through. I mean, I, I, I've heard a lot of people say that from a straight road bowl, however you want to take it, probably the best Ole Miss crowd maybe anybody would ever seen. It was phenomenal. I can't really uh, overstate that, but – yeah, you knew it from the time. Uh, so New Year's Day, I took a walk to go grab some coffee down the street. And, I mean, there was t- 
tens of people just walking around with fence post beers ready to go at nine o'clock in the morning. And I think it just kind of progressed throughout the day. The scene outside the stadium before the game was kind of funny. There was like a hand, I'd say more than a handful of people sort of just sitting on those steps you walk up to get to the Super Bowl, seemingly just kind of collecting themselves for a bit before going into that stadium. But as disappointing as the game was on a serious note, the atmosphere was incredible. I would guess it's about 70-30 Ole Miss. Baylor probably brought a few more people than I thought. But it's a shame the game that went the way it did just from – I mean, it's compelling in a weird way, but I wouldn't call it exciting because that crowd was electric all around. It was one of the better sporting event environments I've ever been in. I don't really have a long list of events, but it was it was memorable. And the crowd kind of got, I guess when Altmaier throws that touchdown, it sort of, sort of juiced them back up. It seemed like it did hit a little bit of a lull before that. I, yeah, I thought there were multiple, that one probably sticks out the most. I thought there were multiple moments in the game that, crowd kind of helped Ole Miss out a bit. I thought it helped the defense a couple times and, you know, when things weren't necessarily going great, you know, after the pick six and all that, I thought there were some times where the crowd picked up Ole Miss and, and carried them for a little bit. And of course, that's not enough. Crowd's not going to win you a football game, but uh, it, it that certainly was an advantage for Ole Miss. That is for sure. It was a lot louder when Baylor had the football. Kind of doing some big picture stuff all of a sudden. Uh, you, you, I can't remember exactly because it was super late at night, but you had some comments last night that I thought were interesting on Twitter. Um, kind of where the program is as opposed to where the team was. This was a great – this was a fun team. This was a, a lot of fun to follow this team, and, and they won 10 games, and they had the dramatic win over Arkansas and the dramatic win over Tennessee with the delay with the people throwing the stuff, and they beat LSU – at home, and they beat Texas A&M at home, and they went to the uh, to the Egg Bowl and won, and I guess I'm leaving stuff out, but you get the gist. I mean, it was a fun team to follow, but now that the, the season's over and the shift, the focus shifts from the team to the program, when you look at it from a program standpoint, sort of what do you see? What what encourages you as if, if you were an Ole Miss fan and what discur- what what concerns you? Yeah, I, it was it was interesting that tweet got actually got a lot of blowback, but it was I think it was lacking full context, which is shocker. I mean, has anyone ever been taken out of context on Twitter? No. But I think it was taken as anti Altmaier, but it was more along the lines of you know you kind of caught a glimpse of what Ole Miss looked like as with you know without its superhero quarterback, and he, I think he masked a lot of deficiencies, and I don't think that's necessarily just related to last night. I actually thought Altmaier was fine. I thought he did some nice things, and he was thrown into an impossible situation. I guess I was mostly just hinting at you know even if Altmaier turns out to be good, they're going to have to get better in a lot of areas on both sides of the football for it to you know for them to be as good or even as close to as good next year because. You know, even if he's good, he's not, you know, he's not a Superman like Matt Corral is. And so, as you kind of mentioned, this narrative changed a bit because of how well they played defensively the second half of the year. But I just didn't think they were like a great roster. They were a fun team that won some close games, had a terrific quarterback. But, you know, the roster as a whole wasn't great. But on top of that, they're going to lose a lot. So I left last night thinking, you know, they have a lot of work to be done to get back and, even a similar stratosphere. It starts at quarterback, but it's also on the offensive lines, on defense as well. There's a lot of work to be done, and I think that's when the recruiting aspect comes in, right? I mean, they didn't they didn't exactly garner a ton of reinforcements in this early signing period. It's still kind of TBD in that sense. What other spots do you feel like they need to get better in? Where would you sort of pick out as the two or three that would tell you if they do, then they can have a little better season, or if they don't, maybe they're in trouble next year? 
Can you replicate a pass rush? I mean, I doubt you can go immediately find another Sam Williams, but you do get Cedric Johnson back. Can you, know, you find some guys on the defensive line and have a good pass rush next year? And then I think they need to get a little bit better on the offensive line. It was kind of a patchwork job for a large part of this year, but they were okay. But I thought, you know, the two most physical teams they played, maybe A&M notwithstanding, they kind of got manhandled, that being Alabama and Baylor. And look, those two defensive units do that to a lot of people. But I think they need to get a little bit better up front. A quarterback's the obvious one, but receiver too. Uh, you know, They weren't exactly overwhelming at receiver, particularly when Drummond was banged up and they lost Mingo. But I think that's another one as well where they're going to need you know, probably another portal guy or two. I'm just kind of curious what the running back room looks like in general at this point. I mean, a lot of talk about Snoop, Snoop Connor well, out. It's 8-10, and, and Zach Evans hasn't committed yet. And, and, Are you worried? Yes, I'm alarmed. because. Oh, wait, okay, hold on a minute. We've been on, down on. this road before. Think so, are we shocked that Zach Evans is not committing exactly on time? That guy seems like a straight shooter. Something must be wrong. <laughs> shocked is not the right word. If, if the story ever sees the light of day. You're annoyed. If the story ever sees the light of day, there's a quote from a guy that covers TCU that he refers to him as he's kind of artsy. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know that I'm prepared for this. So are we like Greg Hardy artsy? Is this Robert? He designed stationery. Greg he, did. He, uh, he's obsessed with wolves. Wolves? Wolves, Zach Evans. Is. Like the, the animal. Like the wolf. Yeah, hungry like the wolf. The wolf howls at night. Yeah, the wolf. Damn it. Don't don't get me worked up about Zach obsessed Evans. Obsessed how? He likes to draw them. He draws wolves. Wolves are cool. He likes to draw wolves. Fine. That's I know. I, I, did I, Brian? Did I say at any point that it wasn't fine? This is uh, what no, this I is what just, chance kind of does hyping the guy up. I mean, they travel in packs. They're uh, pretty loyal yeah. to each other. Seem pretty smart. I, I get. I guess I, I I get why he likes them. Chase is like, what's wrong with that? Did, did I at any point say that there's something? You wrong? You did not put a negative connotation with, on the wolves. Thank you. I didn't say there's something wrong with drawing wolves. I just said that your typical college football player doesn't sit around drawing wolves. And so now we're sitting here on a day when I'm told hey, he's going to commit today. You probably should get your story ready. And I was told earlier in the week, 72 hours, and today is getting really close to that 72nd hour. That's all I'm saying. Thank you. See how much easier it was for us to just kind of talk through this in a nice, peaceful way as opposed to you being like, so what's wrong with him drawing wolves and making me out to be the bad guy yet again? Are wolves nocturnal? Could he still be getting his day going? I mean, it's not that late. Oh, it's a wolf nocturnal. Could... I probably just made that up. I, I'm not a zookeeper. <laughs> Teen Wolf is a really good movie. It is? You think so? Yeah, it's a good movie. What about Teen Wolf 2? No. Not good? No, because once you made the first one, that's as far as you can take that. It's a boy that turns into a wolf and plays basketball. You you can't do more with that. You can't have that sequel other than, hey, this is a money grab. Let's see how it goes. Underrated deal, but not really, because it was incredibly critical twice last night. Do we have any idea of Caden Costas getting the next year at all? Or no. is he... Most likely out. What is going on there? Well, I can't address this because of HIPAA. That was a great way to shut down a reporter, and it made no sense. <laughs> HIPAA. It's a catch-all word. Okay. Well. From now on, whenever someone asks me a question and I just don't feel like answering, I'm going to say, hey, there's HIPAA, HIPAA laws. I'm going to try that with my boss at work. But it is interesting because it came up critical last night. and so the way I don't have his statement put up in front of me. 
But the way he made it sound was like he was like appealing it for the short term and looked forward to getting back with his team next year. But I mean, unless this kid's trying to have like an unblemished permanent record or something, I don't even think that exists. Like you're assuming he's appealing for to be able to play next year, right? Like that. That's yeah, because the rule from a, for any kind of performance enhancing thing is one a year from when you were one calendar year. Correct. Yes. So most of next year. Yeah, so he's trying to get – well, because, I mean, that brings in questions. I mean, if you're out for a year, it's a kicker on scholarship. I mean, frankly, I'm, I mean, I'm not I'm, – I'm just guessing and talking through this. I mean, do you run risk of him not being on the roster? I don't I don't know is my point. Like, you know, how, how many players on the roster get the year where they just whatever? I, I have no idea there. Um, Particularly so, a kicker. Yeah, but, I mean, hell, that's pretty important. I mean, last night he makes those two kicks, and it's – I mean, it's, it's a different game for, sure. for damn sure. Yep, and it looked like the first one may have gotten tipped, but I'm not sure I love that one's chances of going in anyway. And the, the second one just felt backbreaking because they looked like they had a chance to not take control of the game, but you know, get the three on the board, maybe you manufacture another one another way and kind of hold on for dear life. That felt very deflating when he missed that. Well, Costa makes both of those. Absolutely. Which changes the game. I mean, duh. It does, yes. It, it changes the game. More points in a 14-point game changes the game. Yes. When would you have your last alcoholic beverage, Brian? Today? Uh, I got two at halftime, which okay. was pretty much their last call. And I guess I polished those off at midway through the fourth quarter, and then okay. I walked straight to the hotel. It was, uh, it was one, trying to beat the traffic, and two, I was worn out. So it wasn't a hugely late night. I was going night. to ask, what was the late night postgame like? Was it a little more tempered? I would assume so. I had some friends that kind of went out and did some, like, stayed out for a little bit. I don't think it was super late, but uh, in the uh, in the Rippy hotel room, it ended immediately after the game ended. I think I was at back at my hotel by ten forty five ish, maybe eleven. That's probably no eleven forty five ish. Excuse me, that would have been yeah. quick. Uh, people are asking why the hell is a kicker juicing? The story that I was told, and I have been told this is accurate is that the kicker went to a party over the summer. I was told this and I'm frankly I'm I it is so whatever that I'm I I I refuse to even say it out loud at any point over the last 6 weeks. I can almost relate to this as Me You too. think this is true? I do think it's true. Okay. He went to a party over the summer, I'm told, at a pool. At a pool and apparently some female people at the party jokingly made references to his lack of musculature and it got in his head and he decided that he was going to address that aesthetic weakness of himself you buy this i do do you really i do based on people who have told me okay i mean i've never had that problem for once for obvious reasons but uh given how much i work out but isn't that a great reminder that some of these kids are covering are 18, 19 years old. That it's, feels like a very 18, They, they, they are humans oh, and they're kids. It's absolutely a reminder. I mean, I live with a 15-year-old boy. I get it. And so when someone said, oh, that happened, I'm like, okay, we can, we can laugh, but I get it. And he tried to address it and rectify it quickly. 
I just didn't like. How does he think he was getting around the test? But I'm guessing the thought process may not have gotten that far. But hey, they get the specialists together. It's part of this could be, you know, he's having to take all these photos on media day with Mac Brown. It's like, geez, I look like a shrimp compared to this guy. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> good. I mean, yeah. Do you think you could juice up and really get ripped, Brian? At 18? No, sure. Uh, him, Brian, I, right now. I couldn't at 26 or 18. You don't think the so? The steroid thing was out for me because that's also risky business because, you know, I don't have a ton going for me from the physique standpoint. If I started losing my hair, it, it would just be <laughs> over. So that the risk reward there is not great for me. Okay. But the answer at 18 is, yeah, if you do it right, sure, you could you could bulk up some. Okay. I mean, you obviously there are ramifications, mm-hmm. but yeah. Last thing, kind of, what's uh, what's your take on Charlie Weiss Jr.? I don't know. It, it's I'm curious to find out. Like, there's so much unknown with it because I'm curious to see how similar the dynamic is between he and Kiffin from a play calling standpoint here. Because at FAU, it seemed like it was a lot more Kiffin, but it sounds to me like he feels like he has a ton going on running an SEC program, and that's not something he would love to do on a daily basis or on a game by game basis per se. So I'm fascinated to see, but. You know, Nick Saban gave him his first job at 22. That's a positive check mark on the resume. The South Florida stuff, I don't really know what to make of that. It's it's intriguing, but I wasn't necessarily blown away by the hire. What about y'all? Yeah, I mean, I, I to me, it probably lends to Lane having to do a lot more of that than he has in the past. And what is that? What is the trickle down effect of that? And that's something we have no idea right about right now. Yeah, it's totally. He's probably looking for another general manager. I mean, there's just stuff with the organization of the program that we're unaware of. So. Told me that he got turned down a couple times. That's what it told me. That he just couldn't get. And we knew of two names. Yeah, I knew of one that was offered and a second that I suspect was probably offered, and he just couldn't pull it off. Yeah. So. All right. Enjoy. Uh, I guess you got back, so uh, rest up a little bit. I guess I got some content coming, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon, bud. Absolutely. Happy New Year. You too. All right. That was Brian Rippey. Green Bay up six to nothing. It is uh, eleven degrees in Green Bay tonight. Is it eleven or ten? I thought it had dropped to ten. Not that it matters. Okay. Well, that changes everything. <laughs> Bomb me. <laughs> sure. Ten degrees with the way that an NFL football gets slick. That'd be tough. Talk about to, breaking some fingers. Be tough to catch. Because you could even tell that in baseball because you couldn't feel the seams. Sure. Catching the really cold baseball. Sure. Football. I'm out. Or if you caught it wrong, the way the glove, well, like I, the glove I, got stiff. It's like back in the day, I remember, I guess when Favre was the quarterback at Green Bay, and was it Donald Driver? You look at his fingers, and they were broken so many times that all of his fingers were just mangled from the way the ball was hitting them. Because Favre threw it so hard. Yeah, and, and the weather and the whole deal. Like, literally, Driver's fingers are just, I mean. Still to this day? Now, I don't know. Yeah. But whenever I recall seeing that. When's LSU? Is that Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. Okay. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Avery Forbes said, I feel like Coast is more sad knowing that story got out. <laughs> I know. It, it, it was cold outside today. It did snow for a little while today. It we did. got sleet and snow. Gus and Rizzo and I went for a walk, and the wind was the wind was serious. Oh, was it that bad? It was the wind was serious. It got worse as the day went on. I was out in a pretty good bit this morning. It was manageable. It was okay. 
Then it got worse. <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm just laughing. You're a little like punch drunk today. I'm I'm, I'm a little tired. Not really punch drunk. Did you go to bed pretty quickly after we got done last night? Uh, it's two. I was up after that. I got off the phone with you for a few minutes and then gave it up. I think I fell asleep pretty quickly. Okay. Were you up for a while? Yeah, I was up a little while last really? night. Phone yeah. calls? I was, I was pretty wired last night. Oh. Yeah, I was, it took a little while to. I had coffee. Like, I was trying to make sure I was still awake. And oh. the problem we do that was you get done, you go, oh, shit. Okay, that's that's not good. Well, I had poured myself a glass of wine to start working. And I kept looking. You didn't I, drink it? it just... Well, I couldn't because I was on the Zoom. And I was like, people are going to make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then after a while, I was like, what difference does it make? So you started drinking the wine on the Zoom? Did uh, you? No, I waited till the Zoom was oh, over. Oh, did you wait till yeah, it was over? I did. That would have been kind of funny. It would have been funny. I mean, or... But I don't, I don't want to get that reputation for just being completely out of control. All right. Uh, let's see. We'll open up the phones. This figures to be a little more normal than it would have been last night. Last night would have just been a nightmare. I mean, I just I wasn't prepared. I'm going to have to build a graphic here. I don't I think I threw it away. The what now? The, uh, the, the number? Yeah. Okay. Have you heard any more from your person? Uh, no. Okay. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you by the College Corner. It's your one-stop rebel shop. Two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. The College Corner is next to Fleet Feet and Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, it's okay. You can go to the College Corner at collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Whether you're tailgating in Oxford or homegating, we're friends and family. The College Corner has you covered for game day the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. Also brought to you by Pinnacle. They're based in Madison, Mississippi, have clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states. They provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle will sit down with you, listen to your goals, Study your expenses and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. Also brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Uh, John's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. John traveled the globe for 37 years before getting into the travel business. He knows the extra attention that is needed to make a special trip one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. All you do is get in touch with him, give him some parameters, give him a budget, and he will give you options. And no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. And we're brought to you by OPA. Oxford's newest restaurant on the historic square, a delicious menu featuring gyros, wraps, kebabs, fresh redfish, lamb chops, and more. An awesome bar serving your favorite handcrafted cocktails, frozen libations, and an amazing candlelit patio. It's at 306 South Lamar, just south of the square courthouse. That's OPA. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. 
If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well at GrenadaNissanUSA.com. My mailbag each week is brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. She sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. What are your goals for year 2022? Does your company need hard-to-find talent to meet those goals? Maybe you're personally seeking career change. Let this be your year to make the change, and your first step needs to be to contact Service Specialist Employment Agency. They're the oldest employment agency in Mississippi and recruits in all industries. Remember, there's nothing to lose by reaching out. There's no cost to you as a candidate, and everything is kept confidential. Service Specialist wishes you and your company a successful 2022. You can contact them at 662-832-5138. And we're brought to you by The Rogue. The Rogue is your destination for fine men's clothing. Their stylist hand select pieces from top designers. From work to lifestyle to nightlife, there's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or therogue.com. And don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward and chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves one smile at a time. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures, including Invisalign. These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile. Call Corinth Dental today for a no-cost digital scan of your teeth and let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment financing is available at CorinthDental.com. 662-259-0991. There's that number. All right, there it is. And I did the smart thing. I rebooted Skype. Just in case. Yep. We might not get calls tonight because people might be watching... Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yellowstone and Family Guy. Or this game, Green Bay, Minnesota, 6 nothing, midway through the second. Don't you think it – I mean, I get the whole I got to act tough thing, but at 10 degrees – Wear the sleeve. Yeah, come on, right? Hey, who do we have? Hey, it's Mark. Am I the uh, first caller? You, you are. are. Awesome. Uh, well, anyway – um, I just want to say, I mean, it was a, it was a great year by, by Ole Miss. I mean, and, and granted, I hate the way it ended last night. I mean, I feel so bad for Matt. But what, what is your take on, I guess, if Matt had played the whole game, do you think we would have had a chance? Our offensive line got dominated the entire night. I think Ole Miss probably wins the game for a couple different reasons last really? night. but. Just because of how well the defense played. You had so many opportunities to get a lead, and then Baylor having to come from behind is completely different on offense. Like I think there's some things there where Ole Miss would have found a way, because even if you just take the pick six away, Ole Miss has a lead at some point there in that game. And when you do that, it changes things. It changes things for Baylor. I mean, You're Ole Miss's defense played right. really well last night. But, and, but that, pick, that pick six was a heck of a play by that defensive end. I mean, he, he completely read it. Like, it was 100%. Uh, uh, 
really good read by the defensive end. I mean, even if Matt had been the, been the quarterback there, I mean, would his Matt ha- have seen that defensive end drop back into coverage and make that make that deflection? Well, I mean, you might not have had the same play call. I mean, there's just no, the, the the events would not be to even set it up in that in that situation. I guess was what I'm saying more than anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I get it. And Luke, look, look, Luke. Compared to what 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 he was, the hand he was dealt was was impossible. And I thought he I thought he did really really well. I mean, I, I'm really optimistic about him in the future. If he's the quarterback next year, okay. I, I'm really good with it, but I mean the offensive line was just embarrassed the entire night. I mean it it was really, 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 really bad. No, they got beat up front, no doubt. When you watch the you watch the game up front, that's the reason when Chase said that he thought Ole Miss would definitely win. I was like, ah, oh, maybe. And definitely is too strong, but I, I do think I would have picked Ole Miss to win the game. They were going to have healthy. to get creative to yeah. win the game because they were getting <laughs> beat so badly up front. Would Ben Brown have made that much of a difference? Sure. That would have helped. I mean, that would have helped, sure. I mean, he's a NFL caliber player before the injuries. He might not be now, but, but before the injuries he was. I mean, I, I don't know. that that Whoever that Liasu, whatever his name is, I don't know. I mean, we cannot block him the entire night. I mean, it. it I mean, he was just disrupted from the very first play. It, I don't know. I mean, it was a really good season, and I don't want to take any, anything away from Matt or anything away from the team, but I, it just really sucks that Matt went out that way. And I really wanted to see him, I guess, guide this team to to a victory. But, I mean, with, with all that said, I mean, only being down seven other than a half, I mean, that defense was, oh, my gosh. They they were – I mean, they almost, they, they almost won that game for Ole Miss. Yeah, they played really, really well. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. Good night. What What is your guess here on the resolution time of this Durkin thing? How long do you think this might take? I was told this week. Okay. I mean, so by, by, by Friday. Work week? Weekend? I was told this week. Zach Evans type clock. What do we? What do we work? Don't on say it. I mean, eight twenty-eight. It's a really good story. He asked for an edit yesterday on Instagram. I know he did. So I mean, he might not have liked it. Might have to like send it back to the shop, get another one. Well, that's happened before. Yeah, the edit has stopped things from progressing. Oh, the edit's important. It really is. Yeah. I'm not getting into that. That is a good point, Randy. How bad is the West Virginia defense? Bohannon went 18 of 29 for 336 and four against them. They suck. <laughs> I mean, that's like some Wesley McGriff defense up in this place. Like that, that's that's bad. ESPN three reps says AM very confident it's done. It could be. Listen, I I I know there were competing sites that were saying that he was staying at Ole Miss today. I didn't have that in those strong of a terms. What I got was that. There was still a lot that would have to happen. And that things could change. I mean, that's what I got. Uh, we did get Wilson Love, or I did get Wilson Love confirmed that he's out. Mm-hmm. Oregon. I, I'm. It is Nick Savage, by the way. 
I meant to report that this morning that I confirmed it, and I never did. There you go. I've confirmed that Nick Savage is the new strength and conditioning coach at Ole Miss. Okay. Why did I not write that? I don't know. It was a long conversation with a lot of stuff that came up. You just forgotten. Okay. Well, and I wasn't anticipating the the call at the time. Yeah, everybody wants Zach Evans news. I mean, so does Neil. So Sammy says he's committed to the University of Calgary. Nothing would shock me. I mean, I get it. He also has some work to do academically. This is not a hundred percent all good here. Well, and the story that's going to get published is going to be confusing to the rebelgrove.com listener, but I'm a re- a reader or an, an MPW digital listener. Another person told me that he's in great academic shape. In what way? Meaning he's eligible? He's in great academic shape. I'm going to need some context. Well, I, I needed the context too. Okay. Because I don't know that everybody understands, self-included, and maybe this includes you, maybe it doesn't, maybe you've educated yourself. I don't know that we fully understand what the academic requirements are to be eligible to take advantage of the one-time no-penalty training. You're supposed to have to be academically ineligible to be able to do that. Academically eligible at the moment of your transfer. Correct, yes. Not by June or by August? The... Dumbed-down version of the rule is always written as you have to be eligible to do it. Whatever, I mean, again, it's a bastardization, but... Avery says just publish the story anyway. You know what? I think even if he ends up at, like, Calgary, I'm going to publish the story. I've always thought that would be a really good call. put an editor's note on the top that said, I put a lot of work into this on a random Sunday while I watch Cincinnati and Kansas City, and by God, this is going it to see the It would be more of, of a newspaper thing over the years because of what all gets filed. I've always thought a great coffee table book would be stories that were never published, where you, you, you publish the stories, people have written about games that were won the other way our coaches fired or whatever and put them all together in a coffee table book. <laughs> it would be really, really good. I've told you the story. I wrote the Rich Rodriguez to Alabama story. I stayed up all night long writing the story. And it was it was freaking – it was probably to this day, Chase. He is really proud of the story still 15 years later. It was or probably it the best story I've ever written. Yeah. It was so good and accidentally good at that. And I didn't think I had the tape, and I found the tape, and I was like, oh, my God, I found it. I found it, and I called him, like, hey, I'll cut this deal with you. Yeah. Let me write the story, and I don't have to go to Tuscaloosa for the press conference. Oh, that was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you got it. And so I, I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I filed at like 5 in the morning, and it was amazingly good. It was from the Pat White visit? Yeah. Yeah. So I went up. Pat White at the time was the quarterback at West Virginia. Rich Rodriguez was the coach. Pat White was from Daphne. And I went up, and um, the plan was to spend three or four days at in Morgantown. And so I got there, and I did this big day full of interviews, talking to people, and they had a really good practice, and Rich Rod gave them Sunday off. That's right. And so the sports information director at West Virginia calls my hotel room and says, hey, it was me and 
a guy with the L.A. Times, a guy that passed away recently. Dufresne or whatever his name yeah. was. Chris yeah. Dufresne. Yeah. Andy's brother. Andy yeah. Dufresne's Correct. brother. Um, hey, Coach Rodriguez has time for you guys if you want to come up. I wonder what the hell else am I going to do? And so I drive up to the facility, and we're hanging out with Rich Rodriguez, and he's just telling us everything. We're asking. This was like shortly after one of the big coal mining things where the miners had been trapped and some, mm-hmm. some of them died and all that stuff. And that coal mine's not too terribly far from where Morgantown is. And he gives us directions to how to get there. And we go and we talk to people about Rich Rodriguez and all this stuff. And I have all these quotes that, of course, my sports editor in August goes, I don't want that. And something told me to save it. Well, it's never getting old. That stuff is going to be there forever, no matter what. And so. so on this December day, when Rich Rodriguez is about to be named the head coach at Alabama, I find it. And I start transcribing it. I'm like, oh, my God, this stuff is gold, man. This is great. And I write this story, and I called that night. I got Rich Rodriguez's mother on the phone. Oh, that's right. I got his brother on the phone. I got all these people. It's fantastic. I, mean, I have this, this story that just goes on and on and on, and it really flows. And for whatever reason, at 5 o'clock in the morning, I put this really cool ending on, and I felt great about it. And I sent it, and the next day I get the call. Wake, my editor wakes me up. He goes, hey, if uh, you ever want to sell that story, you have our permission. Oh. And I was like, well. What the hell are you talking what, about? What, 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 what do you mean, sell it? Are you not running it? He's like, oh, you haven't heard? <laughs> and I was like, no, man, I'm asleep. I told you. I had, I, had, I had a procedure this morning. And he's like, oh, yeah, he he changed his mind. Need you to get back on the coaching Son search. Son of a. And I was just devastated. I was like, oh, my God. And to this day, I'm upset that story didn't see the light of day. And if I could find it, I would just go publish it right now. But it no longer exists. It's somewhere in the ether. So you lost it. Oh, yeah. That was 20 laptops ago. You told him that story, didn't you? Yeah. Rich? Yeah. He was not as amused as It I was, was that day we were in his office. Yeah. Right he when was, he first he got was the like, job. He was like, yeah, I don't remember. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah. Great. All yeah. right. And I was like, so this career re- moment for Neil, but the hell with it. This relationship's say. off to a bad start again. <laughs> Story of my life. No matter how hard I try. Rich Rod at Bama. Who knows? Eh. It wouldn't have been what it is. <laughs> no. No. Kirby would have a title it, by now. It'd have been a good few years for Grind. Yeah. Auburn would probably have another title. Houston Nutt would have won a title, an SEC title at Ole Miss. Yeah. He would have. Might have won the West twice. Back-to-back wouldn't just been Cotton Bowl, but just like. You know, I I wonder if I went into AOL into Scent Mail if it would show up. (laughs) (laughs) Go back in the days. Go back into my AOL account because I I probably sent it via AOL. Uh, Kyle Wilson, thanks very much for the super chat. He says, as a young college student at Alabama during the Shuley years, I'm glad he never came here. Things seem to have, <laughs> things, things seem to work here in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, unanswered prayers, buddy. Man. But he absolutely had the offer, and he absolutely took it for a brief period of time. So what made him not take it? What was His the... wife. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Paul Feinbaum's show that night was very critical of Rodriguez. Oh, really? 
And Rita Rodriguez heard it and says, ah, I don't want to do that. No kidding. Mm-hmm. That did it. I did it. They spent all night talking about it, and she didn't want to do it. And Like a quality of life thing. Yeah. Went nah. And he ended up going to Michigan a year later, and you know the rest of the story. Did not go well there. It did not. He broke that 20-hour rule, and he's the only coach to ever do that and break that 20-hour rule. Yeah, because most coaches really stick to the 20 hours. It's a very important rule. I mean, you 20 hours, that's it. You're out. Part-time. I never had an AOL account. Did you not? Uh-uh. Yeah, you're you're right there on the age yeah. cusp. I mean, I had well, I had like the, I think I had like the AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, that, but, that's that's gone now, is my understanding. Um, sure, MSN Messenger back in the day. I mean, I guess I had a MySpace page, but I don't remember what would have been on the MySpace page. Yeah, I never did MySpace. What was the guy's name, Tom? I don't know. I never did MySpace. Okay. So, I mean, we're going to talk about it a lot over the next eight months. Is there one or two things that stick out in your mind as, like, the key things you're watching for as we get ready for 2022? Yeah, quarterback. Um, well, just what they do at quarterback. Because, look, talk to several people that thinks that you know, Altmaier does have a chance to be a, a good SEC quarterback, but he's, he's got he's got he's got to develop more. And I mean, that's that's on the coaching staff. It's on Lane. That's on Charlie Wash Jr. Sure. Um, you know, what does that look like? Who comes in? Because it might have been you, me, and you talking. It might have been somebody else. I, whoever this was, I guess maybe it was you this morning. And it was a good point. I, I do think it was you. Thoughts of several people today. I'm kind of running. It's all running together. Of it was almost kind of a worst case scenario. Because Luke looked mm-hmm. for sure good enough to be an SEC starter. Like, hey, that's a four-star kid. Like, yeah, there was some arm talent there. There was a lot if, of improvisation. If it was you're a, a portal guy, you look at that and go, okay, now what's the deal? Yeah, can I? Am I for sure ahead of that dude? Yeah, but at the same time, it wasn't like, oh my God, he's the dude. And we, I mean, it, it wasn't like Eli against West Virginia where he's just throwing bombs all over the field and you go, holy hell, look what's coming. It was a middle ground. that was a little interesting there. A little, little weird. Look, Chance Campbell has changed their defense. What is he doing? I mean that. Like I saw Nick Suss's stat today, where Chance had over 100 tackles, he had 12 tackles, or 12 tackles for loss, and over six sacks. He's the first SEC linebacker to do that since Roquan Smith of Georgia. Mm. Wow. Um, I mean, just tearing up stat sheets. The way he has everybody in the right place. He's the quarterback of the defense. What he's doing, and then the the, the running back room, because you're looking at a running back room where there's a lot of talk about Snoop Connor leaving Jackson State, potentially a, a landing spot for Snoop. Might have some other options. Do you as think well. he's leaving? I thought he was staying until like the last 48 hours, and I would a trend more toward leaving, but it's up in the air. I'm waiting on a couple calls to try to get a little more information there. I'm with you. As of 8.40, I would bet on leaving, but I would put no money on it. Okay. Um, I, I tend to agree. Jerry Neely has declared for the NFL draft. Um, he obviously admitted last night he was done at Ole Miss. Henry Parrish, very tied to Kevin Smith, very tied to Lane Kiffin. I assume he is back. Jerry and but by he's got to get better. I mean, Henry Parrish regressed as the year went on. Yeah, he did. Jerry got a good grade from the NFL. Okay, so he's headed to the draft. You know, I like Kentra Bullock, but we've heard we've seen nothing really from him all season. And then Zach Evans and whatever the hell is going on with that. They've got the Judkins kid coming in. The running back room is in enough flux that I'm interested by it from 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 that standpoint. And then. You know, wide receiver. I don't know. I They've got say. Jordan Watkins. You're waiting on whatever is going on with Deion Smith, but every day that it doesn't happen, you have questions. There's academic stuff. 
there's at least a chance to him to go to LSU or stay at LSU because the problem you got with him is maybe he you know he's still doing whatever, but when he wasn't eligible immediately and you had to have some academics, some classwork done, it gave Brian Kelly a chance. It it, it would allow them to at least have a recruiting battle a little bit for Deion Smith when. Had he just been ready to go academically, I think he could have wrapped it up before that took place. So there's a lot of stuff there. It sounds like Nick Broker is back for next season. Um, I mean, he should. Uh, I mean, last night was not a good look. Not a good look. Um, you know, I think you know Jeremy will continue to get better. I think he's got an NFL future ahead of him. Yeah, I do too. Um, so there's there's questions. I mean, you know, it's uh, there's there's stuff. For, for dang sure. For me, it's defense. Can you continue on? I mean, you lose Sam Williams. You potentially lose – I mean, I think Mark Robinson's gone. I don't see how he has a year left. I'd be surprised based on what I've heard. Not stunned, but surprised if Chance Campbell's back. Okay. I'm going to text Chance tomorrow. We need to do one more um, – a visit with Chance Campbell, brought to you by the Rogue. Um, Obviously, that's going to be a big topic of that – show it's probably the show he's dreaded doing he probably dreads my text i don't blame him but i think he goes pro because i don't know that chance can do a lot to elevate his stock much higher than it is today sure he went to the sec and showed he could play right he's not gonna get any bigger he's not gonna get any faster he's not gonna get much more explosive Whatever his role is in the NFL today is what his role would be in the NFL in a year. If I'm advising him, unless it's, hey, I just want to play another year of college. Mm-hmm. My brother might be at Ole Miss. I might want to spend a year with him. At which point I go, hey, man, all we, we open the show talking about Matt Corral. I would say the same thing. If that's what you want to do, it's 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 your life. Chance wakes up each day and he looks in the mirror and there's one person. Right? He has himself. So if he wants to do that, then cool. But if he were to say to himself, hey, look, I I, I should capitalize now, who could possibly blame him? And so, you you know, linebacker becomes a question mark quickly. Because well, um, it's not it, – those are the two guys that we talk about. They were the best linebackers by far. They changed the defense from a transfer standpoint. Like, yeah, Henry's gone. And I think Mobo's in the portal. Yeah. I mean, I think based on something that I know that I, I'm going to be careful here. Actually, can Lakia come back because of COVID? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Or is this his super senior year? I'd have to. Yeah. What? It, whatever. I'm just. I think they've lined up a transfer portal linebacker. I know the school. I don't know the name. That tells me that they're at least braced for the kids getting in the portal early this week. Yes. Yes. That's not the kid at the that I couldn't. We didn't know who it was. No. It's a, okay. Yeah, we know the school. Okay. No, there's an, and there's another kid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Everybody's tampering. Your <laughs> roster's being tampered with, and you're tampering rosters. So just get over it. But it feels like they're braced for chance leaving. Okay. Um, yeah, there's just a lot. It's a lot. A lot of roster turnover. We knew that would happen, and it has. And you know, it can be hard to follow up these special seasons. 
I anticipate a step back. I think the key thing is that you minimize the step back. And it's not just the record either. It's the way it looks. And it's progressing your program. Yes. Where you're not on every year trying to completely overhaul things. And again, I think this is a critical, critical SEC. I mean, I'm sorry, recruiting season. It's critical. Uh, no, the linebacker's not from North Carolina, and he's not from a uh, SEC school. Neither of them. If Zach Evans does not show up or is not eligible for some reason, I mean, I don't see how any way Snoop wouldn't get a ton of carries if he was back next season. He'd almost have to. And I don't I mean, frankly, he might just want to go play for Dion. I have no idea. But I don't see... But he has to get better in pass pro. He does. He If he's going to play every My down, point, though, is I think he would have a lot of options. I don't see how a 220-pound back that runs hard wouldn't at least have options. No, he would. He would have options. But he's got to get better in pass pro. and he, he, He's got to become a better every down back. I mean, like Ely of the three is the best in pass pro. And sometimes that's not saying much. But he is, of the three, the best in pass pro. Yeah. There's, don't look how they split. There's questions everywhere. Like someone says the tight end room. Yeah, that's a question mark. They played last night with one tight end. Most of the season. Jonathan Hess dressed and was able to go on like field goal team, but he has he has he's having Jones fracture surgery this week. Before the foot injury, he was going to actually play some last night. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing how they split up running back snaps for the season. Hold on a second. It's eight and four, a step back with wins versus Mississippi State, Arkansas, Auburn, and Vandy. No, I think they they would take that today. Yeah. No, no, no. No, Eight eight and four is not a step back no matter who you beat. Listen, here's the thing. I mean, you've got an SEC schedule that that includes – Kentucky at home, Auburn at home. Two games that people are going to go, okay, well, that's that's winnable, and it is. But if you watched Kentucky in the uh, Citrus Bowl, you know what, what's happening there. They are becoming a very solid day-in, day-out program. Um, And then your road games at the second half of the season – you go to Vanderbilt in the first half, which is a positive because that's an SEC you road. It should be 5-0. and It should be an SEC road win. But in the second half of the season, you go to LSU, to Texas A&M, and to Arkansas. Three really difficult trips. And I think three pretty good programs. The West doesn't have a bad program. No. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. There's the worst program is Mississippi State, and they're, they've are they been to like 12 bowls in a row. Well, as I said the other day, so Ole Miss won 10 games, Arkansas won 9, and Mississippi State won 7. That's 19 plus 7 is 26. When those three schools combine to win 26 games, somebody else is paying the bill. Yeah. And frankly, it was A&M because they beat Auburn and Auburn and lost everybody else. And A&M just recruited an absolute – Potentially the best in rivals or whatever history. Uh Snap counts on the season, Jerry and Ailey, 360 snaps, Snoop Connor 304, Parrish 148, Bullock 3. Yeah, there's this belief among fans, for whatever reason, I think a lot of it is because Parrish, I mean, I'm sorry, 
because Connor is this Mississippi kid that they really embrace that that Parrish and he runs hard. There, yeah. There's a certain power to him that is, yeah. is appealing. There's this sense that Parrish took all of his snaps, and the truth is he didn't. No, he had half the snaps that, that I mean, Connor did on the Henry season. took a step back. He did. He took a step back. And, and that's the kind of thing that's got to concern you a little bit. I didn't sense a tremendous amount of upset about Wilson Love leaving. Savage, been at Mississippi State, been at Florida, been with Mullen for a long time. Yeah. Green Bay up 20 to nothing against the Minnesota Vikings. Well on their way to the one seed. Your Saints have a chance still to get they the playoffs. They have to win. They have and to then there win. are like three different scenarios that would get them in. It's The, the most likely one is, is the Niners lose to the Rams and the Saints beat the Falcons. That's a little it because the Vikings losing here removes that. So, yes, Saints and Ram wins, and they're in. That is correct. What did you think of Antonio Brown walking off the field today? Uh, it's We can make a lot of jokes. Mental it's, illness. It, it's, it's sad. Yeah. Somebody needs to take care of him. Yeah. That was rough. Because the problem is that, frankly, he's going to continue to get opportunities because he's talented, which potentially runs his mental health even more into the can. It's, yeah, it's 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 sad. I mean, I, people in the thread talking about what the record could be. I mean, the the thing about next season is that there's a handful of swing games. Like Ole Miss gets Auburn at home, it gets Kentucky at home, but you could lose both of those games. And if you do, well, the second half gets really difficult. Alabama at home, at A&M, at LSU, at Arkansas, Mississippi State at home. Mm-hmm. That's tough sledding. Hey, look, they're, they're they're going to win the game, but you can have to at least show up and play well against Georgia Tech and Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, it's not just, oh, my God, it's Northwestern State in town, and they're going to be geeked up for the SEC Sugar Bowl team. Mm-hmm. No, you got target on your back that By that point, it's potentially ranked. Well, you just won 10 games. You have a target on your back moving forward. That's where you are. You're no longer the plucky little underdog. Everyone, you're a premium game in the season ticket package. Texas A&M has you circled. LSU has you circled. Arkansas has you circled. When you go to play in those in those environments, they're ready for you. The bye week's in a good spot. It's in the second half of the season. Yeah. It's good. It's fine. Um, we will resume our regular schedule on Tuesday morning. We'll go, we'll go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think we'll do hand raise guys on Thursday night. That'll be the Friday podcast. And then we'll kind of get into a routine again. Um, again, thanks to, um, walk on sports bistro for hosting the show throughout the course of the season, the pregame show, the postgame show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. There was a lot to it. We'll put a lot into that pregame show, a lot into the postgame show. Um, also, again, our thanks to the Clearwater Group for our sponsorship for their sponsorship of all of our uh, Sugar Bowl week coverage. We intended to be in New Orleans, then New Orleans said, "Hey, everything's on Zoom," so we didn't. But we still, I think, brought a lot of coverage to you. I hope you guys enjoyed that, and uh, we'll be back next week on Tuesday, I should say, with our regular 
podcast, and we'll get rolling. When does Ole Miss basketball? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? It's Wednesday, I believe, against Tennessee. Wednesday at Tennessee. So we'll start getting into the uh, the winter and spring sports here pretty quick. So and we'll t- be covering recruiting, keeping an eye out on uh, Zach Evans and a couple other stories as well. So content coming to you at rebelgrove.com. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Until uh, Tuesday morning, take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.